Uh, Seth got me started on it, though, so I'm going to blame him. I uh, <laughs> uh, invite you to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. And uh, you know, as we think about Good Friday and um, what it is, and it says, well, you know, it's the day that Jesus died. What's so good about it? Well, it wasn't good uh, that Jesus died, but the reason he died and what he accomplished in his death was very good uh, for those that would trust in his death. Uh, and praise God, you know, that he shed his innocent blood for my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debts of all the whosoevers in the world, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that's the, the good news of the gospel. That was the message that first Easter morning that we'll celebrate in a couple days. But in order for that joyous occasion to have happened on Sunday morning, Friday had to have happened. And for us to have any hope of eternal life, Friday had to have happened. And so I want us to take a look at Luke's gospel, and we're going to read verses 20 through 49. Uh, it'll be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible and um, uh, follow along with me. We're going to start reading in verse 20. It says, Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no guilt or fault deserving of death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. And he released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they had asked for. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that have never nursed. And they, they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the Skull, Golgotha, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. 
one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, you are, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, do, not, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. And now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for this uh, spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. It is indeed, and for sake of time, we didn't read this whole chapter, but I encourage you maybe tonight, uh, maybe tomorrow, uh, before you celebrate Resurrection Sunday, take a minute uh, and read the entire chapter and read the other accounts of the crucifixion in the other three Gospels. And think about what Jesus did and all that he endured. It was not easy. It was painful. It wasn't just the crucifixion uh, that, that was so horrendous, but even before he was uh, really condemned, he was beaten and mocked. Uh, in fact, as he stood before Pilate, he was unrecognizable. People couldn't tell who he was. He was so bloody and, and marred, and he was so weak that he couldn't carry his own cross. And so Simon, uh, a man from Cyrene, was conscripted to do it for him. You read the other Gospels, you read all four of them together, you get a full picture of just what took place that Friday afternoon. And Luke reminds us and, and tells us that at noon, the sun went dark. And it was dark for three hours. And Jesus cried on the cross, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He had cried when the other gospels tell us, and you know, he, he was in agony, and he asked God, he, he quoted from Psalm 22, and said, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? And the reason is, is because Jesus took the sin debt that I owed and that you owed and that all humanity owed on himself. You see, it wasn't three nails that had held Jesus on that cross. He made the nails. He was God. He made the, the men that drove those nails into his hands and into his feet. He could have turned them into salt like God did to Lot's wife. 
he could turn the, the nails into gummy bears or gummy worms. But he didn't. Why? Because of you. And because of me. And because of his love for us. Because he knew that the only way it was possible for us to have any hope of eternal life was if he endured the pain of the cross and the agony of having the Father turn his back on him. And so I want us to look at some different characters for just a minute tonight before we observe communion. Now I want us to see how people that should have known better didn't. I want us to first see that the religious sentenced him. Those who were religious leaders were threatened by Jesus' power, and, and they were, Jesus was preaching the gospel. He was preaching good news. And those that should have rejoiced at hearing that good news didn't like it because Jesus threatened their power, and Jesus was able to do things that they couldn't. As great a man and a great a preacher as Pastor Kenneth is, he can't heal anybody. He can't walk on water. He might not even float, I don't know. <laughs> but let me tell you, friend, Jesus did walk on water. And Jesus did raise the dead. And in fact, he rose himself from the dead. But that wasn't the first resurrection, by the way, that Jesus was a party to. But those that knew, those that had studied the Old Testament scriptures, and God reveals over 400 times in the Old Testament, he tells his people, I am going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send one that will deliver my people. And the thing is, these high priests and these religious leaders knew every one of those scriptures. They also, by the way knew the scripture, one of the great Ten Commandments, and there's more than just Ten Commandments in the Bible, we all know that. But one of the big ten is thou shalt not murder. And yet these religious men connived and lied and made some folks commit be false witnesses in order to condemn Jesus to death. They should have known better. And by the way, what an important reminder it is to us that God is not after religious people. By the way, when you read the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's religious people that cause God most of the problems. He's not looking for religious people. What he's looking for is people that are wanting to have a relationship with the Almighty. And it's not religion that saves anybody. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So these men that should have known better because they knew the scriptures and knew them very, very well should have known better. For even a Roman centurion, as he looked at Jesus hanging on that cross after he had died, said, surely this man was a righteous He was not a religious leader. But he knew there was something different about this man named Jesus. 
So the religious folks sentenced him to death. The community leaders, secondly, mocked him. The soldiers mocked him. They gambled his clothes away. They said, hey, listen, if you're the son of God, take yourself off that cross. But here's the thing. I want you to understand in no uncertain terms, friends, had Jesus wanted to, he could have taken himself off that cross. He chose love, not nails, held Jesus on that cross. So the leaders mocked him and said, Hey, listen, <laughs> even Pilate, kind of as a jab to the Jews because, and remember he, one of the other gospel accounts tell us that, what did Pilate do? He said, you know what, I wash my hands. But really, Pilate had the power to turn Jesus loose, but he was a coward. And he didn't do it. And so he's just as accountable to those that nailed Jesus on the cross and he's just as accountable as those that hollered crucify him because he could have set him free. But he didn't. But then again, we have to remember as we think about these things, and they're both true, the religious folks sentenced Jesus to death and the leaders, the political leaders and the military leaders mocked him. It was all part of God's plan. prophet Isaiah, several hundred years before Jesus would even be born, God had told his people through Isaiah about a servant. And this servant was going to deliver God's people. And Isaiah says that by his stripes, the people are made whole. And it is by the stripes that Jesus endured those whippings, the blood, the innocent blood that was shed in those beatings and in the nailing of his hands and feet to that terrible cross that paid my sin debt and your sin debt and the sin debt of all of the world. We find all kinds, hundreds of prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. Many of them, have, most of them have been fulfilled already when Jesus came the first time. But when Jesus comes again the second time, then 100% of them will be fulfilled. In one person. Now if you are somebody that likes odds, that's not very good for one person to fulfill hundreds of prophecies is... Very, very unlikely. Wouldn't we all agree? And yet that's exactly what Jesus did. And so that boggles my mind. And so tonight as we get ready to celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper, whatever you might call it. It's called a lot of different things. But it has the same meaning. Because you see, Jesus did what we're going to do tonight with his disciples in an upper room just a few days before the events that we've read about earlier. And he told them, 
He said, you know what? I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to leave and go away. And you remember, he said, listen, it's good for you. They, they said, no, we don't want you to go, Jesus. Don't do that. And in fact, old Peter tried to stop the Roman soldier. Remember, he chopped a Roman soldier's ear off when uh, they came to arrest Jesus. And so it wasn't nails. It was God's plan. And it was God's love for me and God's love for you and God's love for the, all the whosoevers. And I'm glad, I hope you are, that whosoever includes you. And includes your family, includes your neighbors. And God's love is so great it even includes those you really don't want it to include. Those that, it'd be alright with you if God just left them alone and left them to spend eternity in hell. God says, no, even them, if they're willing to receive that offer, I'll give it to them. That's how great God's love is and how deep and how solid God's plan to bring salvation was. And it's mind-boggling to me. But then this last point before Brother Kenneth comes to, to lead us in communion is this. This is the last point. Jesus prayed and forgave them. Jesus said, God, they don't know what, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand that while they think that they are defeating Jesus, really, they're fulfilling God's plan. And I bet it irked the high priest when Easter morning came. Because Saturday they were celebrating and thought, man, we have accomplished something. And that all fell apart on Sunday morning. But Jesus prayed and he said, Father, forgive them. He forgave the, the sinner that had trusted him and recognized who Jesus was and asked God simply to forgive him. He said, you know what, today you're going to be with me in paradise. So Jesus, that, that boggles my mind even more. Because I don't know about you, but people that punch me and call me names and make fun of me are not my best friends. And are not people that I'm going to invite over for dinner and not even somebody that I'm going to wave at and say hello and good day to. And yet Jesus did just exactly that. It's mind-boggling. But then, as we wrap up, I want you to realize something else. It is mind-boggling that God would forgive those soldiers and those that had cried just a few minutes, hours earlier to crucify him and led to his death. Jesus forgave them and prayed for them. But I want you to understand an important truth that as Jesus hung on the cross, he saw you. And he saw me. And so he said, Father, into your hand I commend my spirit. And he gave up the ghost. And that was that. Those that had followed Jesus, these, especially the women, Luke points out, 
stood afar off and puzzled. You know, when God does things, and especially in Luke, he mentions several times, uh, especially the women, thinking about and pondering on what God has done. And I think there's a lesson that, that all of us probably need to do more pondering on the things that God's trying to teach us. And maybe it wouldn't be so hard to learn some lessons if we would do more pondering, and we could learn those lessons a lot quicker. At least it's true with me. I, I'm sure it's probably true with you too, that sometimes you have to, it takes a while for it to sink in. And here's the thing, that God forgave them and prayed for them. How could he do that? Because he loved them. Because he had created them. And because he was doing what he was doing for them. And for me. And for you. And not just for us. But for all the whosoever. And guess what? Whosoever means whosoever. He didn't say whosoever and there's a little asterisk and a note at the bottom that says except you know such and such and such and such no whosoever and I hope that you're a part of that whosoever and you have received that free gift because God's forgiven you and Frank can I tell you that if you've not been part of that whosoever and you've not received that free gift tonight Good Friday 2022 would be a fantastic time for you to receive that gift and that offer. And I pray that, that you'll think on these things. And so as awful and as horrendous as Jesus' death was, and as sad as it is, and it should drive us to tears, it should drive us to really understand that, listen, faith is not something that we just take lightly. It's not just something that we do on Sunday. And maybe some of you are real radical and you show up more often than Easter and Christmas. Maybe you show up every time church is open. That, that's good. We should. And part of the reason why we should is because Jesus didn't just halfway die for us. He fully died. He fully shed his innocent blood for my guilt and for your guilt. And he says, you know what? I did it because I love you and I want to give you new life. Jesus didn't die so we could stay in sin and so that we could just be the old rascal that we were born to and we grew up to be. He died so that we could have new life. And when we have new life, part of that new life is worshiping him and living for him. It shouldn't be a radical concept that God expects us to have him in our life more than just on Sunday morning. But he expects us to be a part of our life on Friday night and on Tuesday and on Saturday as well. 24-7, in fact. And when Jesus, why did he do it? 
Well, the simple, short answer is, he did it because of you. He did it because of me. And I don't know about you, but I sure am glad that he did. Let Brother Kenneth, he comes.